Welcome to the People of Canterbury Baptist, a podcast where we meet the people of Canterbury Baptist Church in Melbourne, Australia, hear their stories and explore ideas relevant to our church and community. My name's Stephen, and for today's episode, let's conclude our conversation with Ben. Hello, Ben. Welcome back to the People of Canterbury Baptist podcast. Thank you, Stephen. Good to be back again. I'm glad you came back. It's always a comforting thought after people go, go through it once, they're willing to come back for a second time. Uh, now, we are going to pick up your story. We pretty much got you through to the end of high school, although I do believe there was one significant little connection you made in your uh, high school years, and that brings us onto the topic of Vicky. So how did yes. you meet your now wife? Yes. So uh mentioned last time uh, being dragged around to different churches and different church events, and uh, one of the things I got dragged kicking and screaming to was the uh, Canterbury Baptist Church camp in 2002, August 2002. Uh, my dad was speaking and yeah, we uh, sort of all, all turned up and uh, met, uh, yeah, met one of the uh, youth at Catholic Baptist by the name of Vicky, um, made an impression and uh, I decided I was now a Catholic Baptist person. So I take I take so, I take it by that last comment that you actually changed churches because Vicky, because of that connection with Vicky. Yeah. Yeah. We started dating two or three weeks after we met. Uh, and then that was kind of a from then on type deal. So, so this is like a. Um, I mean, they, they speak of high school sweethearts. You, you guys mm. didn't go to the same high school, no. But in effect, no. you youth groups of sweethearts, yeah. functionally. Yeah. Met at church camp, started attending the same church. Yeah. Um, how did your parents feel about you switching churches to chase a girl? Um, I I assumed they were surprised. I've never really spoken about it, but I assumed they were a bit surprised. It doesn't seem like the sort of thing that I would have done at the time. Um, But, you know, it's worked out okay. It's worked out okay. Very good. So let's let's just trace that that, uh, relationship through. How old were you uh, when you married Vicky? Mm. I... I want to say 21. I was going to say, come on, mate, this is the sort of information you've you got to have at your fingertips. It, it, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 21. So so it was basically a five-year from girlfriend to, to marriage. Yeah. Yep. About a year of engagement. Cool. Um, and that, that was more driven by, you know, just it being a bit weird to get married before 21. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure I'd bother with uh, with worrying about that. If I was doing it again, but oh well. How so? How quickly did you know that she was going to be the one you're going to marry? Um, I was pretty serious about the whole thing. I guess within a year. Um, yeah. Because I, I, I get get the impression, by the way, you tell telling the story. It's like you met her, and it was, you know, you, you yeah. Even getting married at 21 felt like it was later than it needed to be. Yes. Yeah. Certainly. Certainly later than it needed to be, but. It just seemed like uh, there was a social expectation or something that you're not, you know, get married too early and wanted to have at least one of us with a job, et cetera. Um, yeah, which had to be me because Vicky was doing degree after degree. <laughs> I I had uh, got about two and a half years into mine and decided to uh, to just work instead. So you didn't finish your, your no. university degree then? The double degree, the uh, the IT and then the uh, arts doing, doing yeah. uh, human geography. and Yeah, so the know. art stuff was kind of, well, this is interesting, but there's the internet and I can read all this stuff there. Um, and the computer thing was, well, I, I guess I, I picked up um, some 
sort of freelance work and then some more and more freelance work and it kind of became a well I can do the degree to get me a job but I've got a job so what exactly am I going to do the next three years for so have you have you have, have you finished a degree at all no, no. so no, zero tertiary back. qualifications zero tertiary qual- qualifications you. yep that's you. Uh, yeah and as you're about to get to your, your, your life has panned out pretty well so you know there you go um uh, but you said that at the time you're doing a degree, you also had a job. So you're beginning to push into the workforce. What kind yeah. of work were you doing? I was doing uh, freelance uh, web development, software development, that kind of thing, which was uh, I'd always seen myself as more of an electronics engineer. But looking around as I got a bit closer to the workforce, looking around, there wasn't as much available in Australia for that. Uh, and software development was where most of the growth was. So self-taught web developer? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so was that business picking up to the degree that it just didn't make sense to do to continue studies or was it more that it was aspirational? You gave up, you took the risk of giving up studies so you could put more into the business to build it? Um, I guess it just seems like uh, from conversations with people in the industry, a degree – at the time, uh, it's a bit more, bit more weighted now. But at the time, nobody really cared um, if you could, you know, if you could write code, you could write code. Um, so unless you were going for, you know, software developer or a bank doing COBOL stuff or something, and like nobody who was doing anything interesting cared what your education was. So I thought, oh well, you know, I, I'm doing a thing. I have no shortage of other things that I can be doing. So I might as well run, run with it. So you're married. You've you've stepped away from your university degree. You're working yep. now as a freelance um, freelance web developer. Um, how quickly did your first kid come along? Another, I'll say five years. Okay. So um, you, so you had some years here of yeah. being able to sort of lay down that platform and yeah, yep. So Vicky uh, Vicky had done her two bachelor's degrees and was in work. Um, and we'd done some travel and, yeah, just enjoying being able to go around the place and go down to the Mornington Peninsula or whatever for the weekend whenever we felt like it. And, you know, it was a quite quite nice life. But, um, yeah, wanted uh, – like we'd both always known that we would have children. So, yeah, that was uh, that was sort of what was next on the cards once we felt somewhat settled. So at some point, your freelance job morphs into the company that it is today. Yeah. And so there's there must be some point, and Ivan described to our listeners what it is that you do. So in a moment, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to ask that, that yep. you describe what this business is. But at some point, there must have been some opportunity or something. So can you tell the story about how did this seed for the business that you started come into your brain? So I was working with. Uh, digital marketing agency that did uh, email and SMS communications on behalf of a couple of uh, fairly major Australian brands. And they, the back end for how they were doing this thing was an absolute nightmare. Um, it was so, so manual and so error prone. And there were a couple of software platforms that did parts of it but nothing that would really kind of do all the stuff that we needed it to do. So we ended up developing a bunch of internal tooling 
because I was, you know, both the person who was sort of administering the systems, but also the person who was physically setting things up, putting copy in, putting images in, that sort of stuff. And you know, I hated doing that. It was just such a pain. Uh, so I started writing code to do it for me um, so I could take you know, spreadsheets full of data that they were giving me and have it just kind of create everything I needed to create from there. And then as we were doing that, it became more and more efficient and we realised everyone is kind of in the same boat as we were and there's a potential opportunity to uh, to actually sell this software. So, yeah, went into business with a couple of the other people that I was working with there at the time. Um, got a couple of, you know, by today's standards, a, a laughably small um, amount of capital uh, tipped in by, um, by a, another couple of contacts that we had. And, yeah, it sort of went from there. Went from there is a very humble way to describe the growth you've been on. But, but before we get to that point, um, h- how many years ago was it that you started this business? Just this to give us a time frame. 2009. Okay, so you've been running it now. It's 2023, so it's 14 years it's yep. been running. That's, um, a, that's a scary thought. Just give me the sales pitch. So, just to, just to help help me understand, help our listeners understand. If I was, if you were giving me the elevator pitch, the one or two sentence description of what it is that you do, or what it what problem is that you help businesses solve, give me the elevator pitch. Okay, so we help Australian companies by automating their marketing communications uh, based on personalization, based on uh, sophisticated testing uh, and based on uh, privacy, security and, and compliance. So in effect, if I wanted to to email or SMS or message a whole bunch of people and I had a whole bunch of categories, make sure this person gets that one, this person gets that one, make sure it's yep. personalised it, personalised so they get their, their name and then their particular yep. interests are expressed and whatever, your, your company handles all of that work. Is yeah. it becoming like I'm not involved in the industry, but I'm just sort of looking around and I'm noticing there's more and more web tools and, and yeah. there's, there's a rise in what's called automation in which there yes. are companies who specialize in being able to help a layperson such as myself build engines that do yep. this more sophisticated stuff. Yes. Is it is it getting harder and harder to be in the business that you're in? Um, I think it, go, it goes in, in cycles. Uh, initially it was difficult because people needed to be convinced that this was even a thing that was worth doing. Uh, then we went through sort of a phase of massive expansion and then it became, uh, you know, Facebook sort of came on the scene. Uh, Google pay-per-click really took off. Um, everyone was sort of going for that, the new shiny social media stuff. Uh, so then it was hard to convince people to do this again. Uh, and then... You know, Facebook started charging more and reducing reach and start, suddenly people thought, oh, yeah, actually, we need to go back and do this. Um, then we had sort of a, a rise of rise of CRM platforms, customer relationship management, uh, you know, these enormous monolithic bits of software that would just suck up all the data in the company. And theoretically, you could do anything with them. It's just that nobody knew how to use them. So it kind of held you back a bit. Now we're... I think in a bit of a sweet spot, yes, there is a lot more competition, but the market is still very fragmented. Uh, even the massive players don't have more than 10% market share. Uh, okay. So it's, yeah, a really fragmented market. There's a lot of new entrants who all have their own 
little secret sauce kind of uh, deal to them. But we're in a good position being, I guess, more established infrastructure-wise. Uh, our cost base on the infrastructure is is relatively low because it's been there for a while. You know, we're not, uh, we haven't gone down the whole outsource everything cloud route, which is coming back to bite a lot of people at the moment. So I, I think we're in a, a bit of a sweet spot at the moment. Um, there are a couple of competitors who we're coming up against more and more in the local market, but yeah, there's... There's nothing that's killing us. You said earlier on Australian companies, but as I understand it, you've 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 gone international. Yeah, yeah, we've just started uh, getting into. Well, I say just started. It was three years ago, but we don't count COVID. Um, <laughs> uh, getting into Singapore, uh, and so yeah, we've got a, a footprint in in Singapore plus some clients in Japan, um, Singapore, uh, Taiwan, and hoping to pick up another couple in that region too. How much of your headspace and how much of your week does this take up? Um, it's, I guess you could say it's there in the back of my mind all the time. And after 14 years, it's kind of a, it would be weird if it wasn't. Um, it's, it's a fair bit of work, but I think, you know, work-life balance is going okay. Vicky might have a different view on that, but from my perspective, it's going okay. Do you love it? Um, I, I find it satisfying, uh, in, in a lot of ways, I guess one of the issues with, uh, being in a small business and particularly that kind of business, you know, I, I started out as a software developer. I, I like writing code, writing code is fun. Writing code is, you know, has little challenges to solve. It's great. Um, unfortunately you grow and in a company like that, you kind of have to do all of the stuff that you can't hire people to do. So I've kind of end up ended up in more of a you know managing people who write code, which to me is kind of a I don't know being able to see people do something that I want to do, but not not being able to do as much of it as I would like myself um, has been a bit of a challenge. But and it's it's a different mindset. Um, but yeah, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. As a kid, you drew rocket ships. You've expressed an interest in engineering and machines, and uh, and and uh, and uh, acrobatics and yep. and flying machines. Yeah. And of course, in this day and age, you get to scratch that itch. So, talk to me a little bit about this hobby you have. Yeah. So, um, about uh, six or seven years ago now, I um, I got into flying. So, I sort of thought, you know, it's a it's about time. It's something that I've always had an interest in, but haven't actually ever really done. So I, yeah, took a, took a trial flight and uh, started training towards my license from there. And yeah, I've kept doing that. So tacked on a bunch of other things and try and fly as much as I can. So what license do you currently hold up, up to what level of aircraft are you currently permitted to fly? So I've got commercial fixed wing and I'm working on commercial helicopter. So commercial fixed wing, so paint a picture, is that a propeller plane, a jet plane? Um, that is. Uh, so currently propeller. Um, there are additional kind of courses and, and what they call a type rating that you have to do for each jet type. So those are you know, not, really, uh, not really on the cards for me at the moment. Um, but, yeah. So you say commercial. So does that mean that if you ever wanted to quit your current business – you could use your license to get a job as a commercial pilot of propeller planes. Yes. I mean, 
yes, yes, in theory. Um, it's there aren't that many of those jobs around the place, and uh, it'd be a, a bit of a quality of life change, I think. So uh, it's absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> You're definitely not, cards, not looking at making. No. Money. So if Vicky's no. listening, it's okay. This is, yeah. not a, this is not a career move <laughs> on the path right now. No, no. Um, you said that you first came to Canterbury Baptist when you were 16 because yep. you were chasing a certain girl. Yes. Um, but you've pretty much stayed here ever since. Yes. So yeah. beyond Vicky, um, what has been your, 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 your connection to or attraction to Canterbury Baptist Church over now a couple of decades and more? Um, it's an interesting question. Um, I guess probably most of the people who we were here with have now moved on um, to, to various places. It's a. I, I sort of feel like I, I ended up here for a pretty good reason, and unless there is another pretty good reason to be somewhere else, then like, what's the, you know, uh, again, not not that much prone to, to soul searching or trying to find a, a spiritual feeling that like it's yeah, um, you know, I I enjoy being part of the community and being involved in uh, the things that I do, which is over the years I've done um, sort of the Sunday school stuff, I've done youth stuff, done sound, obviously, um, media and lighting and that sort of area. So, yeah, I I enjoy being able to contribute that way um, and don't have any particular, you know, unmet need or unscratched itch or reason to be anywhere else. Plus, you're currently on our internal spaces team, which is helping to plan yeah, the, yep. uh, the 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 layout and the the technology going to be used in our new build. Yep, that's um, uh, it's a um, I try not to get too far ahead of myself there. <laughs> I'm actually now interested in how you're going to finish that sentence. <laughs> oh, there's 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 a lot of new toys out in in the sort of uh, IT data sound media kind of world, and yeah. It'd be nice to get into them, but obviously there's the uh, this whole question of budget and brief and scope, and you know can't just be a speaker showroom. <laughs> I, I am I'm seeing a glint in your eye though. This this definitely does press your buttons. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, plus, of course, you used to be involved in the five pm evening service, which, yeah. we, which yep. we don't run anymore. That was something that both you and Vicky were very much mm. involved in over quite a number of years. And as a matter of fact, your parents, who don't attend Canterbury Baptist Church, but this was one of the ways that they—I think—they would host a group at their house yes. on a yeah. Sunday night after that service. And yep. that was uh, ongoing hospitality and connection mm. from them. So, yeah. so you've certainly been connected in lots of practical ways, and yes. continue to be connected in, in lots of practical ways. Um, is there a, is is there something about Canterbury Baptist Church? Is uh, particularly now as we think our audience is almost exclusively Canterbury Baptist people. That's yep. our target audience, and that tends to be who listens. So this is a bit of an opportunity to sort of share thoughts to to, to that one group. <laughs> it's all right. The question I'm, the question I'm building up to is not as dramatic as as the introduction probably sounds. Okay. Um, but the, the, so if the well, first of probably maybe two questions I'm going to ask you is, um, are, are there some things that in all of the change and everything that's going on, are there things about Canterbury Baptist Church that are valuable and precious to you? And you just want to, you just want to say, hey, let's just be careful in everything that's happening to make sure we don't change this part of who we are. Hmm. It's, uh, it's an interesting question, I guess. To me, it's kind of a 
there's sort of been constant change ever since I've started. Um, and it's sort of, you break it up into eras, I guess, and, uh, you know, by senior pastor or by which service we were attending or whatever. And to me, it's kind of a, um, you know, you can sort of stay where you are and, and watch things change and you'll find things that you value and things that you enjoy differently about different eras. Um, so to me, I think in the current era, I am, I'm really enjoying some of the uh, ancillary, uh, you know, products that you do, the, uh, the podcasts and the, um, the online service and, and all that kind of stuff that you've been experimenting with um, over the last few years. Uh, I feel like there's still, like we're in this sort of in-between space a bit between COVID and new property and um, not really sure what direction things are going to go in. But uh, yeah, I, I think I, I've been valuing the process of experimentation and the fact that people are kind of, you know, really going along with the experiments and not uh, you know, enjoying the change and, and getting new stuff out of it. And yeah, that's been, that's been really good. Which is, you, you've kind of answered the second question I was going to ask, which was going to be the inverse question, which is, are there some things that, that, that you'd like to, to, some seeds you'd like to plant in our mind or some opportunity that, that you see for further change or further, further development? No, I, I, think, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity to do different things uh, in that period where we sort of move out of this property and there'll be you know, interesting challenges and changes and challenges and, and all the rest. And I guess I, I don't like to try and predict too hard what's, what's a good idea and what's a bad idea. I just sort of like trying things and seeing what happens. So, yeah, openness to that probably would be good. Ben, it's been a great privilege to be able to catch up with you. Thank you for, for being willing to walk us through your life, just being um, honest and open with some of your thoughts and reflections. And so really value your time and value your willingness to be a part of this. Thank you very much for having me on the show. And thank you to everyone who has tuned in to listen. This podcast is produced and presented by Stephen Field on behalf of Canterbury Baptist Church, Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email cbc at canterburybaptist.org. If you're a member or regular attender of this church, how about you get in touch with Ben directly and thank him for his contribution today. The music is a song, The First Step, by Andrew Naylor from his album, Two Stones. This album is available wherever you purchase or stream your music. Join us next time as we continue our chats with the people of Canterbury Baptist.